You're listening to 50 Plus a Tip, the show for strippers, ethical sluts, and other open-minded hoes. Hey guys, welcome back. It's Danica, and you're listening to 50 Plus a Tip. Today I am joined by the lovely Brianna Mutz, who you might know better as Thank You Very Mutz on Instagram or by her stage name, Mia Martini. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, everybody. I'm super excited to be here and be a part of this podcast and talk about some of the things that we're going to talk about today. For sure. We have quite a few things to go over. So first off, you've had quite a bit of success on Instagram. I know when, like years ago when you were first on it, I feel like you were like at 200 and then I checked and you're like, I don't even know where you're at right now. Like... 62,000? Yeah, 62,000, which is like insane. So how did you come Mm -hmm. about that like Instagram success? So um, honestly, it came from working at the number five orange and... Because they remember back in the day, they used to repost photos of girls and they had like a 10K following. So uh, they reposted me and I gained a bunch of followers from that. And before the algorithm was also a lot easier to gain followers, you know. So um, that's basically how I acquired, I'm going to say around 10 to 15 myself. And uh, then I started getting into, as I got more comfortable with dancing in my body, I got into this uh, page called Suicide Girls. Okay, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of, have you heard of that? Yep. So I asked, somebody asked me to be on this Suicide Girls page, and I was like, what's that? And I didn't really care about it. But I actually did it, and they, they pick sets of the day. So I did this photo shoot. I didn't really care much about it, but my set got picked and also I got paid, but they feature you on their Instagram, which is, they have like 7 million followers. So when they reposted a photo of mine, literally overnight, I got over 15,000 followers from that. Holy shit. Which is crazy. Yeah. Maybe more. I don't remember. I just remember waking up and being like, whoa, like I have such a huge amount of followers now. Um, and then from there, I kind of just sort of built on that. So that was like my foundation of where I got most of my followers. And then it's slowly gone up over time. Right. So like for people that want to kind of dive into, you know, the Instagram world and gaining more followers, you found the most success by like with shout outs and like, and such, right? Reposts. Yeah. Shout outs. Um, although there is pages out there that, they try to charge you a fee. Like, have you ever had that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just reach out to you, oh, pay us $30 and we'll feature you on eight pages. No, that does not work. (laughs) It's such a scam. A hundred percent. So obviously, like with 62,000 followers or whatever, you've somewhat developed a brand. If you go to your page at Thank You Very Much on Instagram, you have like a very distinct look to your page. And how would you describe your brand online? So all of my photos, I take myself, I don't, I used to do photo shoots now. I just, I had such bad experiences with a lot of photographers. I just thought I'm just going to take all of my shots myself. I'm going to keep up with like a constant theme. So if you go on there, you see that it's kind of like a white cream beige aesthetic, Mm -hmm. which I think is really clean and uh, attractive looking. Um, Because I think that, white and cream is more like pure and like it it attracts people does that make sense yeah 100 percent. yeah the more organized you are the more people are like oh wow i like her page Mm -hmm. so so just keeping it more like clean whites beiges neutral tones photos you're taking yourself to be more authentic and more genuine um yeah well it seems to be working for you so (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) so this might sound like a weird question but Do you consider yourself an Instagram influencer? And I know, okay, I know that has a really negative connotation, but I don't think it needs to be because it's pretty much, to me, it just seems like any other job. And it's a very like millennial job that's come out in recent years that I think a lot of boomers like to hate on. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of people get paid really well for, you know, promoting through Instagram and, and selling whatever like aspect they can. Um, So yeah, do you consider yourself an Instagram influencer and do you have advice for anyone wanting to become one? 
I don't actually consider myself an influencer. I used to care a lot about, you know, gaining followers and what I put out there and making money. And now I just kind of do my own thing. I make it look how I want to look. I wear what I want to wear. And I just have fun with it. And I find that the more authentic I am, the more people come to my page. Um, and don't get me wrong, I do enjoy when people send me products to promote and get paid for it as, as well. But I don't, I don't like the term influencer because, I don't know, maybe I'm just unwilling to accept that my page is influential. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of daunting and it kind of comes with like a sense of almost responsibility, I think, when you're like, oh, I'm influencing people. Now I really have to put a lot of time, effort, consideration into what I'm doing. Uh, no, I agree with you. That's a good point. Um, I do, on that note, being having an influence over people, I don't post anything political. I don't know if you've noticed that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because I don't want to be like, I don't want to have a negative connotation around my page. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't talk about any of that stuff mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. <laughs> Quick comment. <laughs> um, whatever you there's like something you're clicking, I think, or tap tapping. Was that with like maybe your pencil or something? Oh, maybe it's my pencil. Yeah, you yes. can, it just it comes up really loud on the recording. So yeah, I know it's so hard. Like I, even I like if I'm picking up my cup and I put it down softly, you'll hear it on the recording because the mic picks up really well. Um, and then okay. if I go like this to you, it just that I'm asking like raise your voice a little bit because I'm just watching the yeah you'll notice. And like oh. sometimes when I do it, people are like, wait, what? I'm like, no, <laughs> like don't interrupt yourself. Just like speak louder. Um, but yeah, okay. So you made a comment there about photographers and that's why you kind of stopped doing photo shoots and it's funny because I actually did notice that on your page I remember before you did a lot of photo shoots and beautiful photo shoots and more recently yeah I've seen more of like the the selfie kind of idea or like the um ring light you know which obviously looks good too but I did notice that you you're not doing any photo shoots as you used to I assumed it was because you're just too busy to set up photo shoots but there's more to it you said you've had some negative experiences doing photo shoots Yes, I find that most often male photographers are so, like, creepy and, and they get in, into the photography world for the wrong reasons. They, they call it art and they call it this and whatever else they want to call it. But in my personal experience, I've noticed that they are only doing photo shoots to be close to women and be creepy and just say gross things or try to get in their pants and I just I I don't stand for that behavior at all Mm -hmm. so a hundred percent no it's called like a guy with a camera right like he's not really a photographer he's just a guy with a camera I had a guy dm me last week um no two weeks ago now and he was like you don't he had messaged me like a month prior to or two months prior to and was like I've been wanting to shoot you forever like when can we shoot and right away I'm like well you don't follow me so you haven't been wanting to shoot me for that, (laughs) that long and then uh, he kept asking me to shoot, and he has quite a bit of a following. So I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I don't really care about followers on my page. Not that I don't care about my followers, but I don't care about quality. I want quality over quantity. Like, I'm not – like, my my podcast page is where I get my sponsors, right? My personal page isn't. So numbers don't matter to me. But, um, but yeah, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we can shoot. And then he – and I was like, just so we're on the same page, are you expecting a collab, or do you – are you offering a certain amount of – a paper like a paper like you know paying me and he was like oh usually I charge but like yeah we could do a collab and you can just tip me and I was like no like you don't approach a model to come model for you and then ask they'd pay you as well like it's just not a thing I was like so turned off yeah. and then so I checked in with my girlfriend who does a lot of photo shoots and she was like yeah he's known for getting like drunk at, on set and being kind of weird I'm like great like as per usual <laughs> so I totally like Definitely have done less photo shoots than you have, but even from my, like, minimal experience, yeah, I, I second what you say, that a lot of them are just using it as an excuse to get close to scantily clad women or naked women in, like, an alone setting, offer them drinks, be creepy, um, super unfortunate. Yeah, it is very um, unfortunate, but the good thing is that there is a community. Vancouver is very small, and women do talk. A hundred percent, definitely. Um Okay, switching gears, you've been dancing in exotic dance since late 2016, and I remember when you first started, because I'm an old hag, <laughs> and I, 
<laughs> and I was, oh my God. I was at the club when you first started um, because you started at my club. So what um, what areas have you been working in since since that time? So I know you've kind of jumped around a bit. You, at first, you were just a VIP girl at the five. Then you kind of branched out to other areas. So what have you dabbled in since then? So, yes, as you're familiar with, I started as a VIP girl and they actually at the number five orange asked me to get on stage. I don't know if you remember that, but I was like, no, I'm yeah. too afraid. I'm never <laughs> going to get on stage. This is not my forte. And then one day I just kind of had like the brass balls to get up there and do it. And then immediately I was hooked. I was addicted. Um, and from there I, I got on stage and then I went on to the circuit in BC. So I was working at clubs kind of all over, not in Alberta, just in BC. And then, uh, so if you guys don't know what a circuit is, it is a company that organizes the girls at different clubs. It is very professional. It is organized. It is a way to help girls be safe while working for different clubs. In the BC circuit, there's clubs up in Dawson Creek. They're everywhere. They're all in Vancouver, Kamloops, I'm trying to think about all the places where they I know, right? And, and which ones are still open. I think there's one in Hope or something, too, or out that way that you get sent to sometimes. There's, like, a really small one oh, out yeah. there, I think. In, in Merritt. There's a very yeah, small one in right, Merritt, Merritt as well. Yeah. yeah, there's a bunch of them. But then, so for you, what was your BC circuit? Which ones were you hitting when you were on it? So the ones that I enjoyed going to was... Uh, I forget the name of the club, but it is in Dawson Creek, and I made fantastic money there. I also did Number 5 Orange. I did Brandy's um, for a little bit, which that club is very um, upscale, they like to call it. High class, like white collar men. I did Camel River. Um, Kelowna, there's clubs in Kelowna. Actually, the clubs there are really nice as well. So. Mm-hmm. And a few others. <laughs> and a few others. I know. I no, that's yeah. no fault on your own. Even me, like, things start to blend together over the years of, like, which clubs are which and, like, which ones do I like and who's where. And it's all, like, it just becomes a mishmash of, like, <laughs> just looking at each night, right? Um, yeah. So over the last four years, and because you've had more experience going to different clubs and meeting tons of people in the industry and out, um, over those last four years in the sex industry, how do you think you've changed? Oh, my. I don't know if you remember, but back (laughs) when I started at the number five, I was so timid and not comfortable with my body, not comfortable with who I was as a person. Very, very shy. Um. And I guess dancing helped, especially getting on stage, helped me come out of this shell that I was trying to hide in my whole life. Um, I embraced my sexuality, my body. I learned to be more confident with my, even just like speaking. Mm -hmm. I learned to speak more to customers because you, you have to, you have to sell dances. You have to speak to everybody, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So that really helped me grow as a person. And now I look back I look back to working with you even, and I'm like, wow, I was completely a different person than I am now. 100%. And what what age were you? What age are you now? I'm 24. Yeah, so you start at 20, right? So that's already such like, such like, um, there's so many fundamental changes that are happening between those years anyways, but then to like take on an industry that really demands changes of you if you're going to be successful in it. Like you said, like you need to build that body confidence or it shows and you need to learn how to have a stage presence and you need to learn how to sell yourself um, and and have that confidence to talk to hundreds of different types of people. Because um, as many like as many Johns as we get that are like, you know, um, why don't you pay me for a dance? Like, <laughs> like those like stereotypical oh <laughs> that come up all the time. You do get kind of a smorgasbord of people. Um, coming through the door is either you work with them or you work like alongside them or, or whatever. So yeah, I can, I can even see it 
on the outside, like looking at you, like you have changed so much. And like the confidence is like the biggest one I notice. Um, I haven't seen you do a stage set in a few years now, but I imagine your stage set looks a lot different because I remember when you first started stage and you'd be like, I feel awkward. Can you watch my stage set and tell me? <laughs> so I oh, imagine my. it's improved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what have you? What has being in that industry from those kind of fundamental years of twenty to twenty four? Uh, what have they taught you, or what have you learned? I've learned that at the end of the day, nobody gives a fuck. No, people don't care as much as you think that they care. Before I was, I wanted to get into dancing, and I thought, oh my god, I'm, no one's gonna want to be my friend my family's not going to love me anymore and that wasn't the case at all my family still loves me and I still have actually I've made closer friends because of it um and touching kind of back on the previous conversation um we had is that I have become more confident in many aspects of my life which I'm I'm just grateful for the growth that I've experienced and the wonderful ladies that I've worked with to help me get to the next level. Because as a, like, I don't know what you call like the newbies, uh, look up to the veteran dancers and you learn a couple things, you know what I mean? Respect and, um, a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, I definitely, I can speak more like, I can speak to people easily. I can't even speak right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's easy to relate to people now, I assume, right? Because you've had more experiences talking to different types of people and it comes more naturally. I mean, now I'm giving you, I'm mm-hmm. answering your question for you, but I think that's what you're kind of getting at. <laughs> yes, I just <laughs> what <yeah>. she said. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. I know we've talked about this before on the podcast. Um in dating as a sex worker and it's something that comes up constantly with most of my guests and with questions coming in, you know, how do you date as a sex worker? And I mean, that's, it just makes sense to ask that question because we are in an industry that is sexual by nature. It's companion related, like companionship focused, which is very similar to relationships. So people go, you know, how do you balance both? How do you, how you are a sex worker and have relationships outside of sex work in a romantic way? And, you know, to long story short, it's fucking hard. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just hard. So what are your thoughts on that topic? I don't think a lot of men can handle being with a sex worker because it's we're literally another breed that is more confident in ourselves than the, than the average woman who has not yet embraced her sexual energy. You know what I mean? So um, when... Men like to feel dominant, and when they feel, like, threatened by a woman who's super confident in her her body and her her mind and all of the wonderful stuff, um, either they are really abusive and controlling or they just, they can't handle it at all. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah, I think... I mean, obviously I'm biased because I'm very pro-sex worker, obviously. But most women I know in the industry, they're very strong-willed. They're beautiful inside and out. You know, they, they're intelligent. They're making good money. Uh, they have their shit together. You know, they, they're this whole package. And I think that men, weak men, can find that very, very daunting. Um, and I think that's, that's what I've experienced. Now, they like the idea of, you know, dating a hooker or a stripper or a prostitute or escort or cam girl or whatever they're dating. But then... In actuality, in practice, they can't handle what comes with it, that confidence that she probably does better financially than you, that people want her more than they want you, etc. So kind of on that same train of thought, how do you differentiate from guys who just want to date you for the kind of novelty of dating a stripper as opposed to guys who actually want to date you for you as a person? So before in my... I'm still young, but in my younger years, I was unable to differentiate because I thought anybody who paid me a compliment or gave me a little bit of time of day was interested in me. And now I've come to learn that there are red flags that men give off. Um, And I look for those. They will say things like, oh, I can handle it. It doesn't bother me. But let's say even a month, two months down the road, they're like, no, I can't handle it. Um, 
quite often, I find it's easy to tell with their actions and their words. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So expand on that. What are what were the bill's actions and words be that are red flags for you? Red flags such as not not taking you seriously, not trying to get to know you. What what makes you you? No, I, I completely agree. Um, and like what you just said there about how I can handle this. And then two months later, it's a completely different story. And I think I've said it before, you know, it's sexy to date a stripper. You know, it's hot to be like, yo, I'm fucking a stripper. It's uh, sorry. It's not sexy to date a stripper. It's sexy to fuck a stripper. So they go to their friends like, yo, I'm fucking this new bitch. She's a stripper. Like so hot. Like backflip on my dick. Like hot my shit. And then all of a sudden when it gets real, when it's like, oh, are you going to bring your stripper girlfriend to dinner? They're like, oh, um, no. Or is your stripper girlfriend invited to, you know, family dinner? No. Because they've looked at you as stripper girlfriend. You know, stripper girl they're fucking. Not Brie. Not Danica. Not like a real human. And I think like uh, most people don't get past that. And I think I think when you see those red flags in the beginning that are like that, that they're like bragging to friends what you do for work or – when what you do for work becomes the central of most conversations, that's a big red flag to me. And I noticed that a lot with certain guys I've started seeing where they're like, oh, what is like, they ask a lot of stripper questions. And you can kind of tell the way someone asks a question if it's like, because they've like romanticized it or fetishized it, or if they're asking because they're trying to figure out how this is going to impact their future with you. Do you know what I mean? Like you can kind of tell just the way the questions are asked or the responses they give to your responses. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah, and I think, unfortunately, strippers and, and sex workers do need to be a little more guarded when they're meeting people, men or women, whatever you're dating. Um, and that's the first thing they learn about you. But then you also get, I don't know if you can experience this too, but or you can attest to this as well, but the idea of that battle of, do you tell someone you're a stripper when you first meet them because you don't want to hide it? Or do you not tell them right away because you don't want that to be your defining feature. So what, what do you think about that? What do you think is the, the, in quotes, better way to go about it? Oh, I struggle with that myself. So <laughs> I think I we all do. I've this many, many times. Huh, do I tell him or do I not tell him? And I basically, I've come to the point where I'm like, no, this is who I am. And if you can't accept me for who I am, I don't want you anyways. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to respect me because of, because I'm a sex worker, like, you can just, you can just fuck off, like, I don't have time to waste on you judging me, um, not having respect for me. So see you later. hundred mm-hmm. percent. No, I, I echo the same thoughts. I think too, if you're going to have an issue with a woman owning her sexuality and profiting off it, then we are going to disagree on so many fucking things throughout this relationship anyway. Like we are fundamentally different. Like, so, you know, they're kind of like, you know, it sounds harsh, but the trash is taking itself out when they kind of reveal that aspect. They're like, oh, okay, then you did the work for me here. Like, this is not going to work out. Save me the time and energy. Good good day. (laughs) 100%. Good day. 100%. So do you talk to your partners about work once you are in a relationship? Or is that kind of like a don't ask, don't tell situation? To be honest, I if something funny happened or something happened with a coworker, I'll talk about it. But if there's a customer interaction, I tend to keep that very private because I feel that is my business, and I don't need to bring that home. Work is work, and I don't need to carry that home with me mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Unless my safety is being threatened, then of course I'm going to talk about it. But I mean, I just think that it doesn't need to be. Oh, I did a lap dance for this guy last night and he grabbed my ass. I just don't feel like that needs to be brought home. Mm-hmm. Maybe you differ there, but I feel like at that moment, if a guy grabs my ass, I'm going to handle it in that moment and it's going to be done with. It doesn't need to be brought up later. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. What about you? Okay, so for me, I think that's why it's so important to have friends in the industry because I think humans need to debrief and they need to share the the goods and the bads right like so even if you had had a customer and he tipped you a thousand dollars like you want to tell them like if you want to rejoice when the good times happen and you want to you know be comforted when the bad times happen and I think sometimes 
more often than not, if we are dating a square partner, so a man or woman who's not in the sex industry, they not not necessarily for a fault on their own, but they tend to lack that ability to uh, connect with us with those stories. And I think that's why if you can't get it from your partner or you choose not to, that's why it's so important for us to have friends in the industry that we can go to. And you can go call up a friend and be like, oh, this guy grabbed my ass or, oh my God, this guy tipped me so well, you know? And then I think if you don't have that at all, we can start, you can start feeling really alone in your relationship if you have no one to voice that to and a little bit resentful. And that's personally my experience. Maybe that's not for every sex worker, but that's just how I've handled it. And I, I do echo what you said. Um, I have more so a kind of don't ask, don't tell, or or more so, or more so, you know, if they ask, then I tell, but I don't necessarily volunteer information. And then that's kind of that balance of I'm not keeping things from you intentionally, but I'm also respecting that you might not want to hear everything. But if you do, then I'll, I'll offer that to you. And I find that's, that's like a, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I find that's, yeah. A, that's a pretty good balance to have. Again, in theory, <laughs> in practice, <laughs> does it always look so nice and cut and dry? No, because often they'll, they'll ask and then they wish they didn't <laughs> like, and then you'll see their face turn, like turn a certain way or, or two days later, they'll bring it up and you go, wow, you've been like thinking about this for two days. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So speaking of that situation, how do you navigate talking them through the jealousy that comes? Because it does. Like I have never encountered a relationship in my personal life or any of my girlfriends who there's not some degree of jealousy or insecurity on the partner side with regards to to us being in sex work. So have you encountered that? And if you did, how do you deal with it? I think jealousy is a natural um, emotion for all people in any different aspect of of life. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically for ours, for the sex industry, because of what we do. That makes sense. It's normal. Um, I think that there's healthy jealousy and unhealthy jealousy. So I can tolerate the healthy jealousy where um, everybody needs to be reassured to some extent, right? So I have no problem reassuring my partner if they need, if that's what they need. But it, it, sh- it shouldn't go past reassurance. Once it becomes a reoccurring, um, you keep bringing up the same problems, then that becomes their problem, not mine, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And that's not my fault that they're... I want to say it's not my fault, but I guess it kind of is. Does that make sense? I think... I, I, I think I get what you're saying, but it... It kind of, it's never our fault. No, just joking. <laughs> We're innocent. No, but I think I think if you're if they're asking for reassurance and you are doing it to the best of your ability and they can't mentally get over something, then I hate, I kind of hate when people say this, but it's a you problem. Do you know what I mean like it's a their problem? Like it's you can only do so much to give someone reassurance, and if they can't mentally move past something, then that's something they have to deal with. You can't put all your insecurities on your partner, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It goes both ways, though. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think, too, like, and I've mentioned on the podcast before as well, as much as it's not easy to date a sex worker, it's hard on our end, too, because, and I speak, I can't speak for everyone, but I'd like to think we don't want to be a source of anxiety or insecurity or fear for our partners, right? So it doesn't feel good to watch our partner struggle with things especially when it's our job and it's, it's our, our job as the focus and we can't just give up our work, but then we also have to kind of dance this balance of caring for their needs and, and validating them, but also like putting that foot down of like, this is my job and, and you need to be okay with it or we need to find a way for you to be okay with it. Um, so I think it's just as hard for us too. Of course. Yeah. It is difficult. And we're perfect. So... <laughs> Of course. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess like, have you ever had a partner to expect you to stop dancing while you were dating them? And how did you navigate through that? So my most recent experience was this past January. And I met him in the club, which I want to say is never a good idea. But you know, hopeless romantic over here. So I thought, well, <laughs> I'm going to give it a chance. 
And he was very wealthy. He is very wealthy. I shouldn't say he was. He is very wealthy. And he said, you know, I want to take care of you. Please stop dancing. And in my head, I was like, okay, like, you're going to take care of me? All right, I'll stop dancing. No problem. But what I didn't realize was that this took away all of my independence. Everything that I, who, who I am as a person, I was no longer um, being independent or being the strong-willed person that I am to to kind of wrap that conversation up quickly. That relationship didn't work out because it was very controlling, if you couldn't tell already by the way he asked me to stop dancing and said he would take care of me. I completely lost myself in that relationship, and that is not normal and that is not healthy. Nobody should try to take away your job from you. And I think that if you do meet somebody while you are a sex worker and they would like you to quit, you can work together. Say you're together for a year or something like that. And your partner comes to you and says, I, do, I would like it if you could, could stop dancing. And I believe in meeting your partner halfway. I don't believe in like giving up something completely. Does that make any sense? Oh, 100%. As long as it's something you don't want to give up, right? If you're, like, dancing just to make ends meet and, like, you wish you could quit but you financially can't, like, then I'm like, by all means, like, (laughs) take that paycheck and, like, stop dancing. But go on. Yeah, but, I mean, like, if they – they should be want they should be helping you. Mm -hmm. If they ask you to quit, they should be – 100%. Not supporting you, but they should be helping you. Of course. And I think that's that's reasonable, completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. And I stand by that. So, yeah, for sure. Um, I know you were there when I was dating a partner who paid for all my stuff, and and I had re-met him. We had known each other for like ten years, but I had run into him at the club, and he was very much like old school mentality, borderline misogynistic, and was like, I you know don't like a girl wearing slutty clothes. I don't like blah blah blah. Um, I'll pay you X amount a monthly allowance to stop dancing. And I obviously did care for him a lot at one point. So I was like, yeah, like that's the best of both worlds. I get to spend more time with him. I don't give him anxiety. He's paying me a hefty amount of money a month. Um, But then, you know, money comes and goes. And then there's a point where I had to go back to dancing. And I kind of just felt like I shot myself in the foot because I had a lot of regulars at one point. And then I just disappeared for like six months to a year. And then trying to go back into dancing after that, you're like, oh, this again, like this old grind. Um, And uh, trying to regain regulars was a pain in the ass. But yeah, I think it depends on why they're, you know, why you're stopping. If it is because they have the ability to financially support you and you get to have more time together and it's agreed upon thing, then I think it can be a healthy, healthy decision. But I think it starts to become, like you said, a control thing, which was similar to my situation. Then it just becomes this really toxic, like game of like tug of war of like you're not dancing and now I'm paying you so you better do as I say because you're like my employee pretty much exactly that is 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 so similar to what I experienced is where they're like I'm the man I'm paying you I'm giving you money so you do as I say shut up look good and do as I say and don't complain about it Mm mm-hmm yeah, um, I was a little feisty in mine, and he was a little scared of me, to be honest. <laughs> but we definitely had some like bad situations. I know you were. I complained. You heard a lot about them when it first happened, um, and you actually like, you reached out to me recently and was like, "I'm sorry, I didn't understand what you're going through. Having now gone through it, I understand more." Which I appreciate that like acknowledgement because I think it's really hard for people to understand those kind of situations until you're in one and you're like oh like the heart and the mind really do like fuck each other over and it is this weird dynamic of like you're so in it and you know it's wrong but then and you know everyone else looking at you knows it's wrong but this this weird like turmoil of like I love the person but they're not loving me how love should be you know it's just it's a very tough situation so I do empathize with anyone who's going through that um, and I'm sorry that you, you experienced it too. <laughs> because That's okay. It's just everybody, I think they have at least one toxic relationship in their life, whether it be like insanely toxic or just mildly toxic. Yeah. I could have done with the less toxic. <laughs> we could have we, we done with less toxic than we did. But okay. I guess we went balls to the wall. That's fine. <laughs> 
Hi there. So going on the same like idea of, you know, partners and, and disclosing what you do and all that, if you were to meet their parents, do you prefer the parents to know what you do or not do before you meet them? I also have an internal struggle with this because a, I want people to know who I am and what I do. I don't like hiding myself because I find that when I have to hide something, I'm not, um, I don't openly speak about who I am. I'm very quiet and I shut down. Mm -hmm. So in the past I've dated somebody where his mom knew that I was a dancer and she loved me just the same, Mm -hmm. you know, and that is, is very hard to find actually. Um, and the most recent relationship, the one where I gave up my job, basically everything, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, he could not tell his mom because he was afraid she was going to judge me. And they were, their whole family is super conservative, um, super Spanish conservative. Like don't show any boobs. Don't, don't speak. You know what I mean? Like super, super conservative. So, um, I had to hide myself. Uh, there was a language barrier a little bit, so I could kind of like, keep to myself more Mm, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense so I didn't have to like it was easier it was easier but it sucked not being able to just be who I am naturally definitely so okay so that kind of brings us to our little heavier topic here that we want to address which you know trigger warning for those listening it's about you know abuse in relationships and specifically within the sex industry and the abuse of sex workers by their partners And that's something that me and you have touched on in our personal conversations and briefly on the podcast just now, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? And why do you think it happens? I dare say at a higher rate, um, with sex workers than, than it does with the average. I mean, that's not remotely statistics. That's just me, you know, (laughs) not talking on my ass. That's my own experience. Um, Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that is? Why do you think that's something that we, we see a lot of? I think men or women, whatever, um, they automatically assume that if you're a sex worker, you're weak and you have problems and you're easily manipulative. You're easily manipulated. Mm-hmm. Manipulated. <laughs> <laughs> manipulated. <laughs> you got yeah, it. <laughs> you're, you're able to be manipulated more so than the average person. Um, because you're a sex worker, you have daddy issues or you have some sort of trauma in your life that leads you want to go down that path. So often people, partners who date a sex worker, not often, what I've noticed as well in my four years of dancing is that most people want to take advantage of sex workers um, because they think we're weak. So um, I noticed at the beginning when we were working together, I was... I've been a, an observer my whole life, so I'm constantly watching girls, and I noticed this one girl in particular. I'm not going to mention her name, but I always thought she was super beautiful. She was a stage girl, and all of a sudden she was gone. But I followed her on Instagram, and um, I saw she was in a relationship. She looked happy, and I was like, oh, okay, no problem. A couple months later, she comes back, and I'm like, oh, I thought you were in a relationship. What did she say? He was really controlling and abusive. Mm -hmm. and it's just really sad to witness that and I witnessed it at the beginning and it's kind of an ongoing theme for dancers even myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well I think I think it's not even just like our partners that see us as less than but like their families too like my last partner that I broke up with in like April or whatever he was very physically abusive and when I Finally, like his parents found out, or I told them and his sisters, one of the comments his mom said, because I heard her on the phone say it to him, was that, well, she's a sex, she's a stripper, and I know how much that hurts your feelings, so like, of course you're going to have anger. And it's like, what? But, so I think like, I think there's this, the stigma around sex work makes it so much more dangerous for us because we are viewed as less than, or damaged, or unlovable, or that we have daddy issues. So it just makes us easy targets. You know, and I know I've mentioned it before, like the California judge who lowers a sentence by one third when a victim of sexual assault or murder is a um, sex worker. If you're telling someone like, hey, if you want to rape or kill someone, do it to a sex worker because you'll get a lesser sentence. 
how are you remotely surprised then that people are targeting sex workers? You know, so yeah. I do think you're spot on with that, that they just see us as less than, they see us as easy victims. So they, these toxic, shitty people, like, seek us out. And I think that sucks too because, I don't know, as much for everyone, I can only speak to myself, but you said it yourself, you're a hopeless romantic, and so am I. So I don't want to think the worst of people when I meet them. And when I meet someone who appears to like me for more than my tits, you know, it's like, oh, (laughs) love, (laughs) you know, and then you, you know, so it's, I think, I think a lot of women in our industry are very loving and I think that's why they're good at their job because they're very compassionate people. They have a lot to give. And I think narcissistic people or abusive men, they pick up on that and then compound with a hundred percent compounded with the idea that we're less than they're like perfect I can get so much out of this person and treat them like shit mm-hmm. so yeah fuck all y'all no just joking well not joking <laughs> fuck you <laughs> I don't know about you but when I was I still hold this like fairy tale vision in my head of somebody wanting to be with me for who I am and even though I get on stage and I show my butthole and my boobs <laughs> that doesn't mean I don't respect myself and love myself like immensely that mm-hmm. just means I'm really confident in who I am and it'd be really nice like I dream of somebody being like wow she's confident wow I I admire that she's confident like mm-hmm. that she's so comfortable with herself I want to be with somebody that's so confident mm-hmm. that's that's just my uh dream I guess I have fairy tale la la land <laughs> I don't know if it exists but I still try to believe that somebody one day wants to marry me for me not for what I look like and probably you like for what you look like because you're super beautiful so I understand why men would want to get close to you <laughs> but it's all for the wrong reasons you know yeah not always but most of the time yeah no I 100% agree thank you and back to you um but I know I completely agree this idea of why are we why do we look at being sexually explorative as a woman sexually adventurous sexually confident um, having body confidence as negative things, not to go down the huge rabbit hole of like fuck the fuck the patriarchy, but it really <laughs> is right because a woman who owns her sexuality and is proud of herself and has body confidence that's a huge threat to a lot of things that Western society needs, right? Like mm-hmm. if there's that quote that says, "Imagine if the women today woke up and said they love themselves, how many industries would go out of business?" And it's so fucking true, right? Like the world does benefit from keeping women down, unfortunately. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. So I opened it up to listeners to have a few questions to ask you. And, um, I just pulled out three, um, from the ones that came in. The first one is, are you vegan and how do you keep your skin so clear? I'm definitely not vegan. I enjoy steak and all the delicious meats way too much mind you I don't I'm not huge on milk I think that milk is disgusting Mm -hmm. um I don't yeah I don't like milk but I enjoy eating everything so definitely not vegan there and my skincare routine is really ridiculously simple uh baby shampoo and a Chanel lotion that's it that's all I put on my face Interesting. Oh my god, try that. Um, second question: How can I get started in sex work? I don't have a lot of confidence, and I'm really shy. Just like how I was shy when I first started, you just have to take a leap of faith. Just, just do it. That's all I can. If you want to do something, just take the plunge. Get in there, and I know it's really hard to stand half naked in front of a room full of people but there's something really rewarding at the end of the day when you go home and you realize hey oh my god I did that it's like it's like speaking to a room full of people but instead you're naked which is almost harder (laughs) you know so I think it's I think that you just have to grab your brass balls and just do it (laughs) (laughs) And I think, too, it's one of those things where it's like you fake it till you make it. Like, you just fake that confidence, and eventually you are confident once you've done it enough times. I don't know if it was the same for you, but... Yes, yes, definitely. 
you have to put on, it's not like putting on a, a, a new face, but it's just kind of like engaging the confident aspect or woman inside of you that you've always had and just putting that face forward. Mm-hmm. 100%. So essentially speaking it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so last question here from a listener. Do you think there's a hierarchy within sex work and what's your experience with it? No, I don't think that there's a hierarchy. I do that. I do think that there's different levels. Um, from my knowledge, a hierarchy is somebody who thinks that they are better than the, the other person, such as a stripper thinking she's better than a prostitute, which is not true. We are basically all doing the same thing, maybe without the sex, but we are exploiting our own mind and body. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean by different levels is that I think that there's strippers, there's escorts, and then there's prostitutes. So, yeah, that. Mm-hmm. I think, for myself, I think there a hierarchy exists for some people where they place people in this, like, core hierarchy. Because um, I've, I've heard it in strip clubs myself. I find it's mostly strippers, to be honest, that are like, well, I'm not a prostitute and get really offended when the client asks how much for sex. And even just having that kind of response shows this, like, internal hierarchy view, right? That, oh, my God, I can't believe you'd think I would do that. Um, Should it exist? No. Um, But I don't know if you've experienced that, too, in in being in strip clubs, the kind of idea that strippers have towards – some strippers have towards prostitution or escorting. Yeah. I have experienced that. And, but to be honest with you, I do get offended when people ask me not because I don't, I think that that's less than just because like, that's not who I, that's not what I do. Like I do. I think that if you automatically assume someone's going to have sex with you, whether you're a server or a lawyer, that is wrong. You should never assume mm-hmm. somebody's going to have sex with you. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's, I think that's a fair, I've never heard someone express it like that. And I think that's a fair way to say it. You know, if I'm dancing at the strip club, just take it for face value that I'm tonight, I'm just a stripper. You know, even if you were a prostitute, I could see it coming across a little, um, almost like entitled that you think like, I also would offer you that when I'm not offering you that right now. Um, is that kind of what you mean? Okay. I I can get that. I can, I can get that. I can dig it. <laughs> um, so for all my interviews, I ask three closing questions to everyone. And they're kind of like rapid fire questions. So I don't I don't let you know what they are ahead of time because it's just I want it to be very authentic and, and kind of off the cuff. So the first question, what is one thing on your sexual bucket list that you haven't done yet but you want to try? Ooh, I always wanted to try. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now that I'm being really honest, um, on my sexual bucket list, I've always wanted to have sex with a really beautiful woman, but with a really nice penis. That's right, so, literally on my my bucket list. So, a transgender woman. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, that's very possible. There's a lot of very stunning uh, transgender women in Vancouver. We can definitely set you up for that. (laughs) Um, Okay, second question. One thing you've tried sexually that you probably wouldn't do again? Hmm. I, so. Oh, God. (laughs) It's not really anything crazy, but I just had a, what did I, it was kind of like a, a girl on girl, me and another girl, but with two men watching. Mm-hmm. And I just remember feeling like one was my boyfriend and one was my boyfriend's friend. Mm. And it was really, it was really uncomfortable. It was really like, maybe I just had the wrong partner at the time, but I'm just kind of scarred from that because he, he had sex with my friend, but I wasn't allowed to have sex with any, but I wasn't allowed to do anything else with anybody else. So yeah, it was a weird dynamics. So I just, I would never want to repeat that exact situation again mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. I think you touched on a good thing there that it really has to do with who your partner is and the relationship you guys have and the like unjust, like the 
inequality of him fucking everyone in the room and you just sit in there with your like, you know, thumb up your ass, like being like, cool. Like, yeah. And I think too, like if you, if you, you know, if you aren't personally sexually into women, you know, being performative for, for his benefit or his friend's benefit, I could feel that feeling very exploitative as well. I can imagine. Yeah. I just felt like there was, I, I don't know. I didn't, I did not like the way I felt. I felt weird and gross and uncomfortable. I didn't mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, that's fair. And the last question. If you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? Stop judging people because of their skin color. Judge them because of their heart and soul. I like it. That's what I would say. Short and yep. sweet. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Bree, where can people find you? So I have many different social media channels. My main one is obviously Thank You Very Much, which I'm super proud of and I love. And then I'm also on YouTube as Curious Brie. I don't like Curious George, but Curious Brie instead. Um, And I also have two other pages, which are my new business pages. One is Mutz Cosmetics. So that is up and coming. Really excited to launch that. Um, it's vegan, cruelty-free. Um, you should definitely check that out. And the second one is a CBD tincture page, which is, if you don't know anything about CBD, you should head on over there and check out the facts that I posted on my highlights. And uh, yeah, that's my, those are my outlets. Awesome. Excellent. As always, you can find me on at 50plusatip on Instagram or email me at 50plusatip at gmail.com and you can find my DMs or email me with any comments or questions. And lastly, make sure to check out our amazing sponsors. Miss Envy Botanicals is dedicated to producing 100% organic medicinal cannabis products available at upscale dispensaries nationwide. They have a wide variety of products ranging from topical skincare, culinary additives, and cannabis oil, as well as Phoenix Tears. All their creations are produced with only the best organic non-GMO ingredients and infused with love. Use code DANNY10 for 10% off. We also have Truly Lifestyle brand, and they're an all-natural and cruelty-free skincare company that allows your skin to become its absolute best self. They just launched two new amazing products, a facial scrub and a powder exfoliant, so go check those out and use code TRULYPLUSATIP for 10% off your first online order. Temptations Avenue Laundry is a Canadian-owned laundry brand with a variety of styles ranging from sexy and wild to demure and sweet. Check them out on Instagram at Temptations Avenue and use our discount code TIP25 to get 25% off your entire order. That's TIP25 for 25% off. And lastly, for hair and skin products that work wonders, follow my girl at Tiffany.Valentina.Bella. Message her code DannyHair to get your personal hair and skin consult and save up to 40% off on her amazing products. Thank you so much for joining me, Brie. Thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful week and happy hoeing. Bye.